The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. Do your part to spread the word about the show. Rate, review, and subscribe. And then go tell all of your friends that Media Noise is the best sports media podcast on the internet, even if you don't believe it is true. Do me a favor as I continue to recover from my injuries. Uh, Andy Mazur coming up in just a moment to talk about the legacy of one Fred Hickman. Also, a little bit later on, we will talk to Ryan Brown, who wrote a great piece at the uh, website earlier this week detailing how everything is kind of falling into place for ESPN as it relates to Pat McAfee on College Game Day. That is all coming up, but first... So earlier this week, Craig Carton speculated that within the next year, Boomer Esiason would announce that he was retiring as the morning show host at WFAN. Uh, The next day, Esiason countered, saying that it is clear on the afternoon show Craig Carton is tired of working with Evan Roberts. He even made the joke that Carton worked so hard on that show that he will be dead before Boomer Esiason announces his retirement. Went on to say he just signed a new contract that includes being able to leave at 9 a.m. and also being able to do shows from a home studio in the Hamptons whenever he feels like it. So I don't want to get into the tete-a-tete, right? Because I don't live in New York. I don't hear every hour of both shows. And more to the point, I don't know any of those dudes personally to comment on whether or not I believe Boomer Esiason is about to retire. What struck me in listening to the back and forth and reading the various articles generated on it is it's been 15 years since Boomer Esiason took over the morning show at WFAN. And I think for those of us in this industry, particularly those of us in this industry that have never lived in New York, have never spent time as a day-to-day lister of WFAN, doesn't it kind of feel like Boomer has overtaken Don Imus as sort of the signature morning voice of that station? And that's taking nothing away from what Imus accomplished on the air, in the ratings, etc., It is just an acknowledgement that for 15 years, through two different co-hosts, Boomer Esiason has been a steady presence at WFAN. He has been a steady winner in the ratings at WFAN. It is easy to forget that in terms of his age, it's not absurd to wonder if he would retire in the next year because he still sounds rejuvenated. He still sounds like he's excited to be there each and every morning, and I think that's why that show can change co-hosts. And not really miss a beat. I, for one, am happy to hear that Boomer Esiason is not planning on retiring. I think Boomer and Geo is one of the best major market shows in the country, regardless of time slot, regardless. You know, forget major market. It's one of the best sports radio shows, best local sports radio shows in America. I am happy that Boomer is not going anywhere. I think Geo uh, really does help bring out the strengths in Boomer Esiason, and the longer that show goes, man, I think the better off sports fans, particularly the ones up in New York, are for it. 
You know, whether you realize it or not, the sports broadcasting world lost uh, lost a legend, I think it's fair to say, earlier this week in Fred Hickman. And I wanted to bring on Andy Mazur in part because he and I are two of the few at the site old enough to remember the influence of CNN Sports Tonight. <laughs> it didn't predate Sports Center, but Fred Hickman and Nick Charles, I, I, I don't know a way to describe it to people that were not around in the late 80s and early 90s, but it was every bit as ubiquitous as Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann would go on to become. Yeah, you know, I kind of looked at it as the alternative to all the flash that you would get at ESPN. I mean, if you were if you were really tuned in for personality and highlights, you were tuned into CNN. If you were into personality, highlights, jokes, inside jokes, uh, you know, being sitting in, a, in your fraternity house or something like that, then you went <laughs> to ESPN. Because, you know, these guys had fun on their own, but they weren't, over the top. Nick and Fred seemed so uh, well put together and well paired that uh, they played very well off of each other. And uh, it was a fun show. I mean, it was a, a show that kept on moving and uh, it was hard to believe sometimes we were watching CNN. There, there's a lot of people that came from there. And I think that, uh, you know, everything that you read about, uh, about Nick and now Fred, uh, they were legitimate guys. They were uh, pretty uh, easygoing and they were fun to work with and they were, uh, guys that were kind and and would uh, would nurture young talent to sort of bring uh, my comment and yours like together. Uh, Dan Patrick was one of their reporters uh, in the early days of CNN's uh, of CNN Sports Tonight. That's the other part. And you mentioned it was easy to forget sometimes you were watching CNN. It really is, um, you know, the death of Fred Hickman really made me think about just how much cable television has changed, has fractured has specialized to the point that, I mean, CNN had a thriving sports department. Now you have to have something like the Kyrie Irving story and they will bring on Coy Wire um, for five minutes. Yeah, if you remember, uh, you know, the offshoot of CNN was headline news where you had mm-hmm. Banner O'Reilly and Jerome Jurinovich and those guys that would do the little sports headlines on, on that network. And, you know, they obviously worked at CNN as well. But I, I think you're right. I mean, because now you can go anywhere. Uh, you can go to Fox Sports 1, you can go to ESPN 1, 2, 4, 12, 19, <laughs> right. uh, whatever you want to do to get your uh, to get your sports fix. And you know, now you have uh, much more specialized regional channels as well. If you want your gambling, you get your gambling sites. So I, I don't think that the, you know, the, the news networks need to bother with it. I mean, they know that they're not serving, you know, the sports fans. They're, they're serving news people. It's changed quite a bit. Fred and Nick were uh, very credible. I think they were they were very credible sources for for sports. It was a fun watch and it was a nice alternative. Let's talk a little bit about Fred's post CNN career because I think a lot of people might remember that he was a Sports Center anchor for a little bit. I think fewer people will remember the time with the Yes Network just because it was not on the national platforms that it is now. I always kind of felt like there was some level of legitimacy in the early days of that network that Fred alone brought them. Credibility. That's the big word. I mean, uh, a lot of people are using it uh, these days as well. Uh, when, when we're talking about Fred Aikman, uh, especially at yes. I mean, it was a, a brand new enterprise. It was something that uh, had not been done before and now has been kind of copied and, uh, and, you know, uh, to the point where a lot of teams are trying to, to do what the Yankees did, but Fred was the, the first voice. I mean, you remember the first voice, Right. And there's a, a reason that they they chose a guy like Fred Hickman. That's because of the fact that he was a credible guy. Everybody that's talking about him in New York uh, that's not speaking about CNN is is speaking about the Yes Network and what uh, what he brought and uh, how he 
kind of helped launch that network. We're going to do the thing that, uh, boy, does everyone in the media love to see two white guys talking about the influence uh, of being <laughs> one of the first black guys in the position that Fred was. Certainly, he was a precursor to Stuart Scott, and you cannot compare their styles, right? Two very different things. But I would I would argue he was every bit as important as Stuart Scott is in the fact that CNN launched this franchise with a black man front and center. Fred Hickman being in the spotlight like that is every bit as influential as Stuart Scott's catchphrases. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, reading a lot of things on Twitter today uh, from African-American sportscasters, they say that when I was young, I was watching Fred Hickman and goodness gracious, there was a sportscaster on a network television that looked like me. Right. You know, and it was it was something that a lot of young African-American broadcasters really gravitated to because and not just because he was on CNN, but it was the style. It was mm. very easygoing. It was friendly. It was fun. And then if any of them got to work with Fred Hickman, you, you saw that other side that uh, that everybody's talking about as well. The guy that would open his arms and, and welcome in younger and, and fresher talent, one that would make sure that they were uh, understanding what was going on, making sure that they didn't have any questions. Uh, you know, I even read from from Lauren Oakman, uh, uh, Lauren Oakman, who, who said that you know her desk was next, and she was nervous as as all get out to be to be near him. And I think that was probably uh, the sign of how big Fred uh, Fred Hickman was in uh, in this industry. I, I want to real quick wrap up on what you said about the way he treated people younger than him, fresh faced people coming up when he is seen very much as white or black. He is one of the senior voices of sports television. Right. Um, and then I'll tie it back to, you know, the influence of a black man on television, very similar to Ed Bradley on 60 minutes, who, when he started, he very much fit all of the stereotypes of, you know, what is it that makes white America comfortable with you being on TV? But as he got older, Pierce Steer. As he got older, wore his jewelry uh, sometimes on the outside of his uh, of his uh, collar. And it's just one of those things. It's funny when you said the way he treats other people, it strikes me as whether it's Ed Bradley, whether it's Fred Hickman, it is recognizing the influence of the generation behind you to let you be even more comfortable than you were than you allowed them to be when they start. You know, I just think it's a comfort with their own with their own selves as well. I mean, I think that, you know, if, if you're Ed Bradley and you decide, well, you know, this, this is me, I wear an earring. But yeah, I think that, you know, it's just more the, the, the comfort level that they had with who they were as as men. Uh, forget about television people, but just who they were as human beings, being true to themselves. Frankly, you know, you and I, have both, we've all met people in our business that are, are uh, you know, grouchy and they, they don't want to help anybody and they <laughs> right. just they kind of stay in their own corner and they're like ah, these young whippersnappers you guys don't know anything and but there are those that come from like you said come behind you that that have other ideas other thoughts that will actually work if you give them a chance and i think fred was one of those guys that gave him a chance it's been very interesting to watch and read some of the reaction to Pat McAfee on College Game Day since he joined the show in week two of the college football season. Ryan Brown wrote a great column at the site this week that almost mirrors the way I feel about this. And Ryan, I'll let you sort of get the details in, but the gist of it is, like, if you know the show, you know what the overall plan is for Pat McAfee, and he is clearly right on track with what they want. Yeah, because, Dimitri, they brought him in and, you know, basically passed over David Pollack. No offense to David, but they did. I mean, there, there's 
you know, the, 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 the most valuable real estate on that set are in the first, you know, 15 minutes or so, 30 minutes of the show, right after they've come on the air and they've set the stage. And then the last segment, which is about 10 or so minutes leading up to the, the 11 o'clock kickoffs or 12 o'clock Eastern, 11 o'clock Central kickoffs. I'll live in the Central Time. Don't talk, <laughs> sure. I talk in Central Time. But I, I think for college football fans, that is that is the understood time zone. <laughs> yes, yes, right. Uh, but it, it is weird when we're on our show. Joel Klatt comes over with a seat and will say, "Hey, big noon kickoff, eleven o'clock." <laughs> right. um, but, but, but that, but that, that real estate leading right up to the ESPN early games—that's the most valuable territory. And boom, day one, McAfee was there. So I think that was ESPN basically tipping their hand that we know when Coach Corso decides to walk away and it appears ESPN has told him, you do it when you want to do it. Mm -hmm. We know there's going to be need to be a re replacement. We want it to be as smooth as possible. The best way to do that is establish that it is going to be Pat McAfee. Yeah, and you know what? I thought it stood out this past weekend when – um oh forgive me uh, the who was the country singer that was on this weekend uh, Luke Bryan Luke, Luke Bryan, Bryan yeah. yeah it's okay so I thought it stood out as they're not quite ready to encroach on Lee Corso's territory yet but after McAfee made his pick to then go to Luke Bryan was anticlimactic I mean yep. I I thought it was very clear that this was a Hey, let's pump the brakes. You know, obviously Lee has not been with us with regularity this season, but that doesn't mean he's gone. We don't want to give the signal that he's gone yet. Yeah, yeah, because I do think, to your point, the day that Coach Corso decides to walk away, that Lee Corso walks away and McAfee is kind of in his role, I think you'll see those roles reversed where, yeah. you know, the celebrity guest picker does the pick and then Pat McAfee does his thing. And, and you know, that's been the thing that is so hard about this is that that pick has been done one way for so long. Right. That the new guy was going to have to have something, and I—that's what I've seen in McAfee. Is he's found a way to get the crowd involved. Uh, as I mentioned in the column, one of the great talents, of course, was the bait and switch. Suck that, <laughs> reel that whole right. town crowd into thinking I'm about to pick your team, and then crush them. And McAfee is really good. It's almost like a wrestler, a heel turn. And McAfee, of course, with his association with wrestling, will be familiar with that. But he has been very good at that: is, is sucking that home crowd in and then going with a road team. So I, I want to ask you two more things here about McAfee before I let you go. The first one, I think, is to, uh, I think, us getting used to Pat McAfee a little bit. I think guys like you and I that grew up college fans first and still to this day probably choose college football over the NFL recognize that Pat, that the role of game day is not, it's not the same as inside the NBA. It's not the same as yep. the uh, NFL pregame shows. And McAfee is there to fill that entertainment role. He is there for energy, not knowledge. But it has been interesting to me to look at Twitter or look at any social media feed and see the absolute backlash whenever he will acknowledge, I don't know this stuff or I have not seen this with my own two eyes. Frankly, I, I find it refreshing. Yeah, I mean, because the other thing you could do, because you're going to get bashed either way, right? Because if you try to fake it and you say something wrong, there, there are people just waiting to pounce on right. that and have that, you know, have that that viral Twitter video that that shows Pat McAfee saying a player's name who doesn't play for that team or whatever. So <laughs> yep. I'm with you. I, I find it refreshing. I mean, I I don't anticipate, especially with Herb Street, who's one of the smartest football guys out there on TV, mm -hmm. but but now he's doing NFL in college. I don't anticipate that Kirk Herb Street knows something about. Geez, even all the FBS teams, right. not to mention 131 Division One teams, all the FBS teams. I don't anticipate that. Does he know Georgia, 
Alabama, Tennessee, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Oregon. You know, the teams that are there in the top 10. Yeah, he does. That's who you're going to talk most about. So if we're in the middle of the show and, and BYU and Eastern Washington comes up and you don't have a helpful nugget on that, I'm cool with you saying you don't. <laughs> you know, let's don't hold the show up for that. Yeah, it also, uh, I think that, you know, you mentioned Herb Street. I think Pollock and Desmond Howard and even Reese Davis are all capable of filling in that blank. They're not capable of filling in the energy blank. That's right. And that, that's why he's on the show. You've got to have a comedic foil yep. for, for, for that show to work. Now, if you want to completely change the way you do the show, fine. But I, I think the numbers will tell you you don't want to do that. It's been a very popular show. So you're going to have to have somebody that can be the comedic foil. And I think that's what McAfee is able to do. And a guy like him, look, he, you know, he knows this. You're not going to be able to sit and watch social media and say, okay, well, these people don't like me. I got to change who I am. I think that's what makes him great. He's going to be committed to who he is. He's done yep. this a while. He gets that I've got an audience that's going to love it. I got an audience that's going to hate it. But you know what? They're all watching. So uh, the comedic foil, I want to sort of take this away from the McAfee Corso comparison and take it to a comparison to a buddy of yours, Charles Barkley, because yeah. I thought there was a real, whether this was intentional or not, I thought there was a real like, oh, we might have a demarcation moment. We might have a line in the sand here when he shouted that son of a bitch on, uh, on uh, Saturday. It was almost like there is this moment or there was this, I don't know, there was this feeling of only McAfee is going to be allowed to do that. Like, And he's going to be discouraged from doing it often. But if he does it, he's not going to hear about it the way Desmond Howard would, let's say, for example. Yeah, so, yeah. so and here's what's crazy about that, right? Um, well, two things. Number one, People will get upset about that. Oh, Coach, Coach Corso would never do that. Lee Corso dropped an F-bomb <laughs> on, on game day. Go look it up. It was when they were in Houston, and he's trying to bit, and it doesn't work, and he drops an F-bomb, and, you know, Herb Street and, and uh, Chris Fowler was hosting at that time. Their reaction is priceless right. when he does it. It's hilarious. <laughs> you can easily find that video. Um, but to, to your point, this is, this, is, this is Charles, right? So Charles comes in our studio uh, on my show in the next round uh, back in the summer, sits down, and, and Dimitri, I kid you not, in the first five minutes, he's dropped six F-bombs. Right now, we're <laughs> we're we're not on radio anymore. We're streaming, right. so we're, we're not under the FCC guidelines. You know how many complaints we got about that? Zero. Yep. You know why? You know why? Because it's Charles. If I had done that or one of my co-hosts had done that, we would have gotten complaints. But Charles is, ah, that's Charles. That's Charles being Charles. And I think the, the, the more you accept McAfee being who he is, the more you kind of expect that from him. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise Podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. And check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.